If you're living the days in the life of an ag teacher, then you'll fit right in. I'm your host, Carly Erickson, and I'm here to remind you to do what you love and love what you do. As always, thanks for listening and welcome to class. Today we're going to be talking about alternative crops. We're going to answer some questions like, why is diversification important for all crop fields? And what do alternative crops provide for the farmer? Well, the answer to that question is possibly additional income, restoration of soil quality and nutrients, feed for livestock, reduced pest pressures like weeds and insects. Diversifying a cropping system can be done in many ways. One way that we hear about often is the use of cover crops. Cover crops hold soil in a place and they hold soil nutrients. One of the major benefits of using a cover crop is that it can be grazed by livestock, depending on what you're growing and depending on what livestock you have. Right now, the United States has a surplus of corn and soybeans, especially here in Iowa in the Midwest, that's what we grow. And corn and soybeans are great, but we're starting to have storage issues. We have so many corn and soybeans that we're running out of space. We're running out of things to do with it. So what better way than to start growing some different crops? Some alternative crops that are grown in Iowa are small grains like oats and wheat. You might say, Iowa is doing a crop rotation. We're rotating between corn and soybeans. And that's true, that is a rotation. However, it's not diverse enough to reduce pest pressures such as insects and weeds, and it doesn't solve our storage issues. Over time, rotating those crops, eventually we won't see the nutrient numbers that we're looking for. Overall, a lack of diversity in rotation leads to issues with nutrient management, pests, and soil health. A lack of diversity on the landscape reduces wildlife and pollinator habitat. The good news is there are ways to help. Converting cropland that doesn't grow well into pasture can provide pollinator habitat as well as wildlife habitat. It also reduces soil erosion. One crop that can be grown often is alfalfa, which is great for livestock and it's also a perennial, so it will grow back for several years. This allows less maintenance and also longer provided habitat. Today we are here with our very special guest, Warren Pearson. Warren is an Extension Program Specialist and also operates the Field Extension Education Lab here at Iowa State University. Warren, tell us about your role here at Iowa State. I manage the Field Extension Education Lab and we set up quite a few demonstration plots to teach farmers, uh, students, and crop consultants about different management practices and we try to show problems in the field as well. So we're trying to show management practices and issues that they might encounter in their fields and show them different management techniques to uh, handle those or avoid those in the future. So tell us why crop rotation is important. Crop rotation is really important for many different reasons. And it was used a lot before commercial fertilizer and pesticides were available to grow our crops. And so one of the things that we have to consider is what do we actually consider crop rotation? We often look at corn and soybeans as a crop rotation, 
which is really useful for many reasons. But at the same time in the past, a longer term rotation was considered more useful. And so there's a lot of benefits to that. Uh, we'd have gro crops growing in the spring and fall, and that's often uh, including more crops in the rotation will actually increase yields in corn and soybeans as well. So there's a couple benefits to that. And so some of the other crops that you might grow in Iowa would be small grains, forages, or potentially high value crops. And some of those could be things like crops for canning purposes. Some people do grow crops like sweet corn and some types of field peas for canning purposes. Uh, I've heard of people growing onions in Iowa as well. And also a lot of people are looking to hemp production for fiber production as well. Another thing is that there's a lot of benefits for integrated pest management. And so we can break pest life cycles and there's a lot of potential to use different management tools like uh, pesticides. So you can use different types and different classes of pesticides, but also incorporate tillage. And then um, for weed management, we will have competition at a different time of year. So that can actually affect the weed diversity in a field. And then we can be potentially using other management types. So like if you're cutting forages, you're going through and cutting off weeds at the same time. So that's one way to manage weeds too. Um, diseases are also managed better by including longer term rotations because there's more time in between crops, which uh, reduces the potential for disease inoculum. A lot of times uh, foliar diseases overwinter on crop residues. So by giving them more time to break down, there's less for the disease to be growing on. Another example of that is soybean cyst nematode. So longer periods in between reduces soybean cyst nematode numbers and uh, even just growing corn for a couple years can reduce soybean cyst nematode numbers. There's also drawbacks to that, but um, that is a, a potential option as well as for insects. So similar to disease, insect pest life cycles can be broken. So there's a couple issues with just a corn soybean rotation for that because corn rootworm have adapted some subsets of those species. So northern corn rootworm has developed extended diapause. So basically the eggs can lay dormant in the soil for more than a year and then they can basically hatch and emerge when corn's planted again and be a problem again. And then also western corn rootworm may also lay eggs in soybean fields. So then they're there the next year when corn is growing. And then uh, nutrient management is also one potential uh, benefit. So you can potentially cycle nutrients and reduce nutrient application needs. So if you're growing crop like alfalfa or clover, you may not need to apply as much nitrogen that following season. So there's quite a few benefits to that. And then the last thing I'd say is you can spread economic risk. So 
first you really have to identify a need for the other crop to make sure it's profitable because you don't want to just go out and plant something randomly um, but so for example planting small grains may spread weather risk so they'll be growing and be harvested before stresses that can affect soybean and corn production so like if you have really hot and dry weather in july and august that can really reduce yield and corn and soybeans but you would have already harvested that um, small grain and another thing is you can just reduce risk of major drops in corn and soybean prices as well so if you put all your eggs in one basket and that crashes um, that can be a huge problem too yeah absolutely well it sounds like there's definitely a lot of benefits um, but with everything, there are some drawbacks as well. More specifically, talking about cover crops, why should farmers consider using cover crops? There's quite a few benefits, and like you said, there's also some drawbacks, but let's go over some of the benefits first. So one of the major benefits is potential for grazing livestock. So I've heard of farmers in southeast Iowa and other areas of the state where they've had they've been doing cover crops for a whole lot longer because they had a use for it. So they could go out and graze cattle uh, and use that and then also plant soybeans right after that. And so there's quite a few benefits uh, to having feed for livestock. And then the other major benefit is soil erosion protection. It holds soil in place and reduces the speed of rainfall hitting the soil. So it's kind of similar to how crop residue can basically reduce the speed of rainfall hitting the soil causing compaction. Uh, Farmland is pretty expensive and we only have so much so we want to try to maintain it as well as possible and we can maintain or increase soil organic matter by uh, using cover crops. And that's a major reason to use cover crops. Another benefit to cover crops is nutrient management and nutrient cycling and basically holding on to nutrients in the soil. So one issue we have in Iowa is water quality and a few nutrients are nitrogen and phosphorus in the soil, mainly nitrate. And so by having cover crops growing in the spring and fall, they can be taking up nitrogen and holding that until the following growing season rather than letting it leach into our water system and run into our streams and so that's one way that they can uh, reduce nutrient loss and the other is just phosphorus often goes to our streams through erosion so by holding on to the soil in the fields keeping the soil in the fields we can keep phosphorus in the fields as well which has uh, been problematic for uh, algae blooms is what they thinking right now. Um, The other benefits are for soil health. So a couple things, we can increase soil physical properties. We can reduce compaction with roots growing in the soil and also potentially increase pore size, which would increase water holding capacity throughout the growing season. So there's a major benefit to that. And 
also with uh, the ability for the soil to absorb rainfall throughout the growing season and then hold it throughout the growing season. Other benefits to soil health are soil biology. So we've seen a shift in organisms living in the soil and uh, by having the crops growing in the spring and fall, we can have potential shifts in the organisms in the soil. There's a couple other benefits kind of uh, similar to the water management in that we can reduce evaporation basically throughout the growing season by covering the soil. So there's also a potential drawback to cover crops in that cover crops may use up uh, a lot of moisture early in the season and if we don't get rainfall throughout the year it can be a negative impact and so that's also a consideration most of the time in central Iowa it's not a major deal but in southern Iowa and other parts of the state it can be a major problem and the final benefit is uh, weed control so by growing cover crops they'll be competing with weeds early in the season and oftentimes they've been shown to reduce the size and the amount of weeds early on in the year which is just another tactic to manage weeds so it's not going to manage them all completely but it can help a lot so there's definitely a lot of benefits to cover crops what are some of the drawbacks so some of the other drawbacks are that there is a cost to using cover crops. So you have to pay for seed, you have to go out and plant them. And another issue is that there are, there is potential for insects and disease to carry over into the next crop. So that's a major issue. And we also try to plan for that when we're growing the cover crops and terminating them. So. If you're growing corn, you want to terminate most cover crops uh, 10 to 14 days before to try to reduce that issue. Basically, it starves the insects and the diseases from that. And then it just takes quite a bit more management to, or different management than farmers are used to. So we often encourage farmers to start small and basically learn how to manage cover crops before implementing them on their fields. Yeah, so you talk a lot about, you know, soil quality and pest management, and that's where integrated pest management comes into place. And when people use those practices and strategies with all their crops, hopefully they have, uh, you know, a step ahead of the game here where they can they can stop some of those pest pressures and re- reduce the disease and those kinds of things if, as long as they're using those practices all throughout every crop that they're planting throughout the year. And so you talk about soil quality a lot, and I like that. I like talking about how cover crops and diversification of the all the different crops that they're planting in the fields affects the soil quality. And you mentioned organisms specifically and the shift that we're seeing there. Does that impact how much chemical application is being added to the field? Yes, I would say that it can. Um, so Basically, mainly from two reasons. Uh, The nutrient management, we can reduce our uh, chemically produced fertilizers being applied to the field because of nutrient cycling. Uh, The nutrient cycling can change. So basically, if you have like a clover cover crop or alfalfa, 
that is plowed under a lot of nitrogen will be available and you can reduce your nitrogen applications but on the ipm side of things the integrated pest management side there's a potential for reduction in pesticides because like we talked about of pesticide life cycles being broken and so often farmers can actually grow cheaper seed because they're or often growers can actually plant cheaper seed because they don't need as many of the traits and they also may be able to get by with less herbicide fungicide and insecticide just because they're not seeing as many pests in the field and honestly often organic and non-gmo producers often rely on crop rotation to be able to grow their crops effectively sure sure and hopefully to keep their costs down as well so that they're not having Uh, you know, to fight that battle and they can get some higher yields, hopefully. Yeah, and so that's one of the benefits. Uh, There's a professor at Iowa State, Matt Liebman, that actually does have organic production, and he's done it for quite a few years, and he's growing corn, soybeans, oats, and alfalfa, and other rotations, and he's seen a lot of benefits to the extended rotations. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you think that different crops affect insect pests in the field? It will vary based on the life cycle of the pests. Uh, Some pests overwinter here in Iowa and others migrate in. So if they migrate in, crop rotation won't do all that much to prevent them. But for the ones that do overwinter in Iowa, it can break that pesticide life cycle. And so Earlier, I mentioned that some insects have adapted to the corn-soybean rotation. So, like I said earlier, northern corn rootworm eggs may be dormant for a couple years, and then once you plant that corn back again, they'll be there to cause problems. And then western corn rootworm can also lay eggs in soybeans, so that's a concern as well. And also, wireworms, white grubs, and others other insects have populations that tend to drop significantly when uh, uh, certain crops are planted. You know what time it is. It's time for the Ag Career of the Day. Today's career falls under agronomy and agriculture education as a crop consultant. According to agcareers.com, crop consultants work closely with clients to give them advice about their agricultural activities, specifically involving crops. Creating relationships with clients and collecting data helps the consultant provide better advice to each individual farm. This position typically requires a bachelor's degree in an agriculture-related field. According to CareerExplorer.com, the average salary for a crop consultant in Iowa is $65,510 annually. And that's the Ag Career of the Day. So we know that you manage the Field Extension Education Lab here at Iowa State. And so you plant crops purposefully to have things happen, whether it's disease or high pest pressures or, you know, a significant amount of weeds or whatever it is that's going to affect those crops. And you host different classes here on campus where people can come in and learn about the different things and how to manage it appropriately. What is one of the classes that you would just put a plug in here for right now to let people know about that they can come and learn about some of the different things that they might encounter in their own fields? 
So most years we have a crop management clinic and also a field diagnostic clinic. Uh, this year we likely won't be hosting those due to COVID-19. Mm -hmm. But normally we have uh, the different topics on the crop management clinic focuses more on what, what it says basically, um, how to manage crops based on new research and data. And the field diagnostic clinic is normally focused more on identification. So we focus more on advanced crop scouting for that is what I'd consider that program more to be focused on. Awesome. Yeah. And that's for, you know, farmers across the state of Iowa. Anyone who's interested, come check you out. <laughs> yep. So crop consultants, uh, seed salespeople often come to those agronomists and, but it's open to whoever wants to come and they can attend. There are fees involved, uh, but because we are trying to be self-sustaining, but anyone is welcome to attend. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great opportunity for anyone who's interested in learning more about crop and, you know, pest management, disease management, all those kinds of things. So are there any good examples of Iowa farmers that have successfully diversified their operations that you've seen? Many farmers across the state have diversified mainly because of livestock needs. So basically they need livestock feed and bedding. And so in southern Iowa, people can grow a small grain and be able to harvest it and then plant their row crop. So they can basically do haylage or baleage um, by doing so. They also have needs for other feeds like forages and alfalfa and clover in northeast Iowa too. So there's a lot of dairy production in northeast Iowa. And... Dairy requires high-quality alfalfa production. So basically, a lot of farmers that have already found ways to make it economical have started using them. There's a lot of cover crop seed production that's required when people want to use cover crops on their fields. So people could go ahead and plant and harvest cereal rye and sell it, have it cleaned, and sell it for cover crop use. And there are quite a few companies selling seed, so there's definitely a need for that. But also organic production. So if you're producing an organic crop, I believe you have to include three crops in the rotation. And so there's quite a few benefits to doing that, obviously. And organic production often results in significantly higher prices for crops. Another group that's out there is Practical Farmers of I Iowa. And so they've really focused on uh, small grain production in Iowa, and they're really working to help farmers implement cover crops and also diversify their fields. So a lot of them also grow organically or non-GMO, but PFI has been really involved in small grain research too. So at the Northeast Research Farm at Nashua, they've been involved in the oat variety trials that have gone on there for years. Oats were commonly grown in Iowa uh, before soybeans became really popular, and there was more of a need back then. Um, there was a lot more livestock at that point that would eat oats, and back when a lot more people had horses, there was a lot more reason to grow oats. So there are quite a few uh, farmers diversifying and they've found ways to make it profitable. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, Warren, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate you sharing all of your experience, and we look forward to hopefully next year when you're able to host some classes in person. Thanks for having me, and be sure to look to our website for more details on events in the future. Mm -hmm.